Hello everyone and welcome back to another match of the King of Games 92, the tournament in which we brutally tear into games and pit them against each other to see which one comes out alive. I am your host for this episode, Ozzy Garcia, formerly of the Region Free Gamers, and today we are still at the elimination stage for the games fighting to get into the round of eight. And for this match, the contender on the blue corner is none other than the Blue Bomber himself. It is Mega Man 5 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And on the red, scantily clad corner, we have the game that made parents sweat. It is Night Trap for the Sega CD. Your judges, besides yours truly, are Keith Gasper from the Main Quest Podcast. And let's give a very warm welcome to Corey Carlson from My Life in Gaming. And with those introductions out of the way, in the immortal words of Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. Hey guys, how are you doing? How's it going? King of Games, really excited about this one. How's it going? <laughs> uh, pretty good, pretty good. I'm I'm excited about it too. Uh, I think that people are probably expect, expecting this to be a bloodbath. <laughs> I, I don't know I, about I, that. I, I don't know. I mean, it feels like when I saw that Mega Man 5 and Night Trap were had made it in, I was like... Did I get things wrong? Did I miss something here? Because <laughs> these are not games that you typically see in all-time, best games of all time lists or the like. It is Which... one of the weirder matchups for sure <laughs> when I when I looked at it. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, like Mario Paint and some of the other games that made it in there, I, I think it makes for a very interesting matchup. You know, I think it makes oh, for, for, sure. for, sure. for a round where it's not just <laughs> the same old games that people talk about all the time. Um, because, you know, Mega Man 5, not one of the Mega Mans that first comes to mind when you think of Mega Man. There are like, I don't know, like 20 other Mega Mans that come to mind first. <laughs> right, and, yeah. and, That's right. And Night Trap is more renowned for its ignominy. It's it's more notorious and infamous than famous, really. So uh, it's, uh, it's going to be exciting, guys. Um, but just to recap, we're going to be looking at the games not only in the context of 1992, but also through a modern lens. We're going to kind of take a retrospective look at these games and see how they have fared. And uh, in order to do that, we're going to take a look at four criteria. Uh, the criteria that each round will make up uh, is first, critical and commercial reception. Second, personal attachment. Third, legacy. And fourth, which of these games would we rather play? Now, one of the titles will take each of those rounds, and depending upon how each game fared, it will inform our final decision of which game should advance to the round of eight. So let's start talking about the games themselves. So Night Trap, um, Corey, I think that you're the most qualified <laughs> person here to talk about Night Trap, considering that you made the documentary on the game. So That's true, but it's been a little while. It's been well, a little while since, you know, it's like since riding a bicycle. That out, but... so, <laughs> uh, Corey, why is Night Trap here? And tell us about why Night Trap is special. Well, I think that Night Trap is special because of what it like the controversy surrounding it. It was one of three games that are responsible for the uh, the creation of the ESRB, and uh, you know, at the time it was this, you know, it was a failed experiment, and then it shat, uh, <laughs> it sat on shelves for you know uh, a few years, and then it finally saw the light of day when, uh, and it was. Uh, like, you know, it was something that some nobody had really even seen before. 
and it would like the full motion video was mind blowing for you know you know I was 13 years old when it came out and it just like blew my mind that I was like watching a movie and I could interact with it you know and it, you know I probably thought that it was uh way bigger of a deal than it than it actually was but you know like its legacy is something that has lived on and is certainly talked about a lot more than Mega Man 5 <laughs> <laughs> these days but it you know it's and i think i think that maybe like a lot of people have considered it to be like this terrible game but i think maybe uh people have come around on it and said and just to think like hey you know it's really not about the gameplay it's about like what it did at the time which was something that most other games hadn't done which is you know made you feel like you were taking well, it's part hard. in a movie. It, it's hard to put into context, you know, how big of a deal full motion video was um, for, mm-hmm. you know, the younger audiences that are weaned on photorealistic CG graphics. Um, I remember growing up in Cuba when I first saw full motion video, it was like, oh my God, I'm watching a movie. This is freaking amazing. And, you know, yeah. when you're going from 8-bit sprites to oh god my system my console my you know toy essentially can play movies and i can control them i think that's pretty you know impressive when you look back you know in the context of 1992 um so yes. so i i think that in that context night trap really deserves to be remembered in a different light um and you know night trap was released uh, in october 15 1992 it was released for the sega cd it was one of the the flagship titles for the sega cd at least as far as i have seen from my research because again you could play a movie and so uh, there was also sewer shark which was made by uh, the same studio digital pictures um and mm-hmm. they also made other fmv games like corpse killer and double switch um so they were really kind of buying into um you know the fmv revolution of sorts um but right. you know night trap really as as you point out in your documentary Corey, um its origin really dates back to 1987 um when right. it, you know it was initiated as part of this hasbro initiative to create a kind of interactive movie by way of a vcr that you could control the playback of sorts so you know maybe you can give us a little bit more context on that Right. So the uh, the Nemo was a device that, you know, it, it connects to your TV and it uses uh, a tape and it has four different tracks on it. And you can switch between those tracks, which all, you know, play back uh, from beginning to end. So there's something happening on each track at the same time. And what's kind of interesting is when I made the documentary, I had access to the original footage and they were two long QuickTime files uh, with two of those tracks per QuickTime file. So it's just you got to see how th- things kind of uh, fit together and how they would have gone like on the tape. Okay. And uh, which is, is kind of fascinating because like, I have no idea how that would have like truly worked. And um, because the Nemo has never really been seen outside of like the people who 
were working on creating. Yeah, it. and the Nemo was the, is, the machine that was supposed to play this back. And Nemo stands for never, ever mention outside. Now, you got to <laughs> give it to them. You know, these people should be hired by Washington because they <laughs> make up really silly acronyms. <laughs> um, but that that was supposed to be the revolutionary technology. Um, and, and it seems like right. they had the same thought that they were having now. It's like, how does that actually work through a magnetic media in which you have to rewind and forward and i just think back to playing you know on you know my vcr using my vhs tapes and and those were finicky pieces of tech you know if you if you recall i mean it was very easy to get it jumbled it was very easy for the the heads and all that to get dusty and the like and it's just i'm thinking back on it and you know this must have been you know if it ever came to light one of the most fickle and frail pieces of tech that you could have probably seen. <laughs> but, <sure>. um, <laughs> definitely, definitely, it'd probably be more uh, fickle than like a like the original Xbox Three Sixty. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. I'm, I'm, I, I went through <laughs> three of them. Um, so, <laughs> but Keith, can you tell us a little bit more about what Night Trap is actually about? Um, what's What's the story here? What What's it like, you know, to experience Night Trap? Oh man! Well, as far as the story goes, it, it's a bunch of uh, unwittingly teenager. Well, I wouldn't say unwittingly teenagers, but they are hired by a uh, group of. Oh, no, I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, oh. a military group. Uh, scat. scat. Correct. Scat. Yes. Scat. Yes. Yes. Because no one checked the dictionary before making up that acronym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's essentially these teenagers that were hired by this military group, Scat, to investigate uh, this house. Uh, full of vampires, essentially. And the the family that owns the house, I are the augurs vampires now? Or are they... Uh, so uh, the augurs are uh, basically vampires that are almost dead, but not. And they just, they need, they're, they're, they're not strong enough to actually like uh, suck blood right. from humans like on their own so they need to use like uh, cattle prod essentially drill like like a, like a yeah <laughs> These weird devices uh, you know, the document drills in them yeah they they call i mean uh james riley who is the director of the game called them trocars which is you know like they, they go around like they go around people's necks and then mm. drill in and it's you know drains all the the blood out and then the uh the people who live in the house were taking this blood and bottling it up and probably selling it to their like their vampire I hear it was friends. very popular in Germany. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but if the but, concepts of that just sounds incredibly corny and cheesy, it is. You know, they definitely nailed the feel of those very uh, campy eighties, uh, out very outdated socially uh, movies, horror <laughs> movies. Um, they, but at the time, you know, like. They knew that they didn't really need much yeah. to, like, you know, drive the game. Like, like being able to participate in this was the thing that people would talk about or care right, about. Yeah, right. And not so much, like, the overarching story. Because it's like, you know, you, you feel like you're doing something that's leaps and bounds, be, you know, beyond anything else that's being done. So, 
it, it must have felt like you were part of this project X of like, oh my God, I am taking part <laughs> in the revolution of digital of movies. Basically, it was like, you know, this is the next step. You know, we had talkies and now this is the next step. We're not going to have movies. We're going to have interactions and we're going to do it all within the comfort right. of our own homes. Like that must have been really, really like awe inducing to be part of that. It feels like uh, kind of a, I would say almost like an awkward stepping stone into what we would see like somebody like Kojima do with Metal Gear Solid eventually where it's a much more cinematic experience without having the production of an actual movie. I I would say, you know, even more than Kojima, more something more like Shenmue, you know, where you had the QTEs and you were trying to essentially play a movie. Um, I I really do feel like, you know, because of the limited ability to generate gameplay out of video footage, you almost have to always rely on QTEs, and it dates back to Dragon's Lair. Um, so, in, in a way, yes, it was revolutionary, but Dragon's Lair had been doing it for a while, and it's just really, when you think right. about it, a continuation of that, you know, Spaces on Dragon's Lair. Um, ex- right. Except now you had, you know, actual live actors doing this. Um, mm-hmm. So, so... And- not to take away anything from, you know, Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, but I, those are very good. I always found them to be way more difficult to play yeah, because yeah. you you basically can't pay attention to what's happening. You just got to look for that flash of your sword, or you know, w- like watch out of the edge of the watch the edges of the screen in your peripheral vision all the time. So it's basically, you know, the first time I played Dragon's Lair in an arcade, like it was over and literally. Like eight seconds. Yeah, I was gonna say the the you thing know, that <laughs> Night Trap has over those earlier games is that those early FMV games were in arcades, whereas this was essentially mm-hmm. straight to console. Yeah, yeah, right. And but you know the funny thing about it is that even though it went straight to console, the thing that strikes me about Night Trap is that it's still very much an arcade game. Um, it's still very much about getting a high score. And the high score is yeah. how yes. many augers can you trap? <laughs> and even at the end, spoiler <laughs> alert, even at the end, you know, when Dana Plato, who is the star of the uh, of mm-hmm. the game, um, she's the protagonist, she's the undercover teenager, quote-unquote, uh, that infiltrates, um, you know, the group of uh, co-eds or, or teenagers that go to the mansion. You know, she tells you, you know, you weren't perfect, but maybe next time you can get them all. Um, <laughs> so clearly there's a wink and a nod to that kind of high score mentality of like, this is our right. game. This is the game component. You're supposed to catch as many augers as, as you can. And and the way you do it, just to kind of take a step back for those that haven't seen it, I mean, this whole mansion, you have a bunch of cameras and you can basically go from camera to camera. And really, I mean, I think, Corey, you pointed out on your documentary, it's very similar to Five Nights at Freddy's. You know, where you're kind of monitoring what's happening. And when you see this augers who are this kind of lumbering, silly looking guys in garbage bags, (laughs) for lack of a better (laughs) term, you know, you're supposed to trap them because the house is outfitted with traps. Um, And I think that's also what distinguishes it from something like Dragon's Lair. Because when you really start looking at it, the traps are in a set place. So you kind of know where it is that you have to press the button. You don't have to guess necessarily. I mean, yeah, there's a window, but you don't have to guess, you know, like now I have to press left or right, you know, like you would do in Dragon Slayer, for example. 
There's so, there is yeah, a secret passcode can... that you need to activate the traps as well. So you very much have to pay attention to what right. the teenagers are doing or what the protagonist is saying. Yeah. To get that right. access code. And and it's different every time you play. So you can't just sit there and be like, oh, I know what this is. You you need to know well, you learn over time as you play the game over and over again, you learn where the access code changes happen and you kind of schedule around it. So, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, like there's games where you play like like you, you mentioned Shenmue, where everything kind of happens at a, at set times throughout the day, yeah. and you know you got to be certain places to witness or take part in certain events. So you're jumping around trying to catch as many of these, uh, as many of the augers as you can, but you also have to pay attention to what's happening in the story. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the thing is like you you play through it, and you're trying to capture as many of these as you can, but you're trying to piece together the story yeah, at the same yeah. time. And, and you know, one of the things that, you know, strikes me is that this is a game that, that kind of did that asymmetric storytelling that would be done in other games later on. I mean, the one I'm thinking about right. is, what's it called? The Last Express. It was that game that was done, uh, that was rotoscoped. Um, it was made by, uh, I think mm-hmm. it was... The guy that did a flashback or another world, one of those two, I think another world actually, um, and you know that idea of like you can't really see the full story in your first playthrough because you're always seeing mm-hmm. different sides and different angles of what's happening right. on a continuous timeline. Um, you can't circle back to an earlier time, and I think that's that's like it's very experimental and it, and it's very interesting. Um, so, but that's not the reason why we're here though. I mean, the, the, the whole reason why we're here is, you know, because this game became notorious and you yeah, know, exactly. why, why did it become notorious, Corey? Uh, because of one specific scene where a, uh, a girl in a, uh, in a, in a, in a nighty gets, you know, she gets, gets uh, her neck drilled and she gets killed. <laughs> yeah. She, she gets got. And, uh, you know, you look at it now and it seems like it's it's like nothing. It's like I can't believe this was made that they made such a big deal about this. And I think that most people who even played at the time probably didn't think anything of it either. I mean, you probably see, you know, you saw more violent stuff probably on like regular cable or or even like Ren and Stimpy. Um <laughs> yeah. or even on prior video games as well <laughs> stuff like bionic commando yeah hitler's face is like melting off you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly and i think that like it just became this they i think that the congress tried to draw attention to it be like saying like hey look at how bad this is and they're i think they're kind of expecting everyone to say like yeah 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 you know just like agreeing with them without even like thinking about what is like what they're actually saying you know it's it's just it's ridiculous looking back on it but you know it was it was important at the time yeah it it, it has become more important yeah over, i mean and time. you know i could rephrase it as the whole reason why this game is notorious is because joe lieberman never played a video game um that's yep. that's yeah. that's probably down to it i mean it it kind of reminds me of that one congressional hearing a few years ago where um i think it was um 
Jeff Zuckerberg was being, uh, you know, interviewed for one of the congressional hearings and just the, the, the mm-hmm. you know, the congresspersons just didn't know how the Internet worked, essentially. <laughs> and it was it was right. one of those cringe worthy takes that you realize, oh, my God, these people are just very, very out of touch. Um, but it did lead, you know, the, the whole congressional hoopla did eventually lead to the creation of the Electronic Software Ratings Board. Um, so there's that. Um, you know, and eventually the game was re-released again and it was released with a rating, so on and so forth. And it just, you know, between this and Mortal Kombat, those were the games that were the poster children for this is why we need to protect our children. This is why we need some sort of safeguards in order to not get this into the hands of children. Um, right. And, and that's kind of why we're here today talking about Night Trap. But let's switch over to the blue corner. Uh, on the blue corner, <laughs> we have Mega Man. So Keith... Mega Man 5. Tell us a little bit about Mega Man 5. Uh, Well, I mean, if you've played any other Mega Man, you (laughs) kind of know what Mega Man 5 is. Uh, It's about a little blue boy robot uh, created by a genius doctor, Dr. Light. uh, With a beautiful beard. Absolutely (laughs) great head of silver hair as well. Maybe the best beard in video games. Yeah, yeah, top five, I would say. <laughs> Definitely top five. Um, it, it, it's kind of up there with, uh, you know, the guy in the cover of Phalanx um, in terms of all-time great uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. beers. <laughs> I, I know Chris is listening to, not to uh, go off uh, the rails here a little bit, I know Chris is listening to this, so uh, top five beards in video games. <laughs> make it happen. All right. M- make, make it happen. Um, yeah, I mean, so Mega Man, it's basically Osamu Tezuka's Astro Boy, uh, as created by, uh, Santa Claus. Um, and, uh, no, no, no. In, in all seriousness, I mean, Mega Man is, you know, the template was set forth in, in 1987, the first Mega Man. And essentially, um, you're the little blue robot and you had to go up against, you know, eight other robots created by Dr. Wily, who is the, the big bad guy. The original game, if I recall correctly, only had six robots, right? Correct. Um, yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, Mega Man 2 kind of really set the template, you know. So by the time that Mega Man 5 arrives, like, it's almost, you know, the, the amount of times that they've done this now, it's almost to the point of parody. Um, because yes. it's kind of like, oh God, Doctor Light is uh, taking hostage again, and oh my God, it's Proto Man that's doing it. Um, <laughs> who could it be? How could he do this? And it's kind of like everyone's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. We we all know, like, you know, it's Doctor Wily behind it all. You know, it's kind of like that whole Scooby Doo <laughs> thing. Like, if it wasn't for you all, you know, rascally children, you know, it's all like you know at the end of it all, it's gonna be the same old guy, you know, behind it all. So, um, <laughs> so so yeah, I mean, Mega Man Five. When you take a look at 1992, it's kind of like it wasn't even the only Mega Man f- game released in 1992. So 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 again, it's almost to the point of parody that you know that this game you know, kind of was on its fifth iteration in like five years. Um, we talk about Call of Duty nowadays having a lot of entries, but mm-hmm. really Mega Man was kind of up there. Um, but there is something though. I mean, Mega Man, even on his worst days, is still a damn good time, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're talking about yes. Mega Man yeah, X7. Sure. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's an entirely different story. <laughs> um, but the original six Mega Mans, I mean, I would say, you know, some are weaker than others, certainly. But I don't think there's a bad game in that batch, um, and, and Mega Man Five yeah. certainly fits that mold. So, so, so Corey, Mega Man. I mean, w- did you play this originally? You were 13 at the time. I mean, what? Uh, you know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't play this. Uh, you know, like 
so I I played the first one. I played the second one. And third one I played, and then after that I just kind of fell off because, you know, after the third one, it started coming out every year. And, you know, it's the same reason why, like, I just didn't feel like playing, like, an Assassin's Creed every year. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just too much. And you need some time to, you know, just, you know, you, you need, you need a break to come back and enjoy it. And, you know, like by that time, you know, I was all in, you know, with my, my Genesis and, you know, Super NES and, uh, you know, and the Sega CD was yeah, out. Yeah. Like there's just like very little chance I was going to play anything on the NES yeah. at that point. Yeah, it was a very late release for the NES. I mean, not quite yeah. the latest, but certainly, you know, less than two years out before the NES would be effectively dead. Yeah, it's interesting um, to hear you guys yeah. compare it to more modern titles like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed, and it totally makes sense. When you, when you talk about oh, it, yeah. I didn't I mean, come to Mega Man 5 until... I, I mean, I I think I probably had it when I was a kid, but as we've kind of already discussed, like, a lot of the Mega Man games just kind of blend together after Mega Man 2. So... Yes, I totally agree. I'm, I'm, I'm totally a big agree. Mega Man I mean, 3 fan, but I get your point. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I Mega Man 1 is my favorite, but, uh, you know, I, <laughs> but, but 2 is, you know, is, is pretty great as well. And then like after, like after 2, you know, they started when they, once they started like adding like more to the gameplay, you know, like once the slide was introduced or like Rush was introduced, I was like, eh, you know, like. It's, There's always it's, been these. Now they need to they make it more more complicated Keith, I, I know you're gonna appreciate this but Mega Man 1 was the Dark Souls of Mega Man so <laughs> yeah I've got some hot takes on that now I don't even know if I want to drop that so I'll save that for later but no <laughs> <laughs> no I just wanted to tweak you based on your last episode but um yeah I mean it's it's a, it's a franchise that I think benefits now a little bit more than it did at the time because now we can kind of mm-hmm. take a look at each game based on its own individual individual merits and without the fact that you have right. this burnout in play, which, again, I think it makes this, you know, playing around very intriguing because, you know, a Mega Man game on its worst day is a really a, a really good game, you know? So mm-hmm. it, yes. it released in 1992. Um, it released in Japan on December 4, 1992, um, and it squeaked into North America on December 29th, 1992. So, so it just like right kind of made it in. I mean, right after Christmas, so... Um, Capcom, what were you thinking, man? <laughs> well, I mean, that probably probably plays a big part on uh, like why it's probably the most expensive original of the original series. You know, it's 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 an expensive game because I just I don't yeah, think it's and I, I, well. I think five is. I mean, even more than six, even though six was even mm-hmm. a later release. Um, it, it's right. one that, to be honest, I have never seen in person. Like, I've never seen Mega Man Five out on about. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's a really, you know, it's a really big shame. I actually prefer it to Mega Man 6, to be honest, but, um, oh, yeah. yeah, but you know, you could kind of tell that Capcom was kind of running out of steam at this point. Um, at least yeah. the, the Capcom studio that, that shepherded this uh, original series, um, because they basically outsourced all the robot masters to the public. They were like, guys, Hey, <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah, they, you they can design, before, you think. can design the robot masters for us. <laughs> so, so, yep. so they basically outsourced it to a bunch of seven year old kids. <laughs> yeah. I've, I mean, imagine being one of the kids who like created one of the, one of the 
robots that made it into the game. And then find out Capcom completely redesigned it and it looked nothing like it was originally intended. To be fair, the original had a lot more penises. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, kids can't draw anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and you can tell, like, in the names, the A bosses are Star Man, Gravity Man, Gyro Man, uh, Crystal Man, Napalm Man, Stone Man, Charge Man, and Wave Man. And by the way, I like to affectionately call this game the Little Blue Bomber Goes to Nam, uh, because you have Napalm <laughs> Man, and really, the stage is basically Vietnam. I, I mean,. You yeah. know, Platoon had come out a few years earlier. You know, there were all these Vietnam movies. I like to think that Capcom was like, let's just throw him in Nam. Um, are, so, we, are we sure it's, it's pronounced Gyro Man and not Euro Man? <laughs> that would be great if it was. <laughs> just, but, <you> know. <laughs> if it was Euro Man. It's like, it's like a, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's just like wrapped in a pita. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. I, 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 not, I, I, I would play that game. I probably would have bought that. At day one, if I knew that that was the character in it, although you know, at the time I probably didn't even know what a year. Yeah, was. but there would probably would have been like a more like a lot more cultural insensitivity, you know, oh, depictions yeah. with the yeah. Jiro Man. <laughs> to be fair, um, but yeah, but it was produced by Takuro Fujiwara. Uh, he's actually one of the the main guys at Capcom all the time. You know, he did Ghosts and Goblins and uh, just an absolute legend. He's Bionic, man. Yeah, Bionic Commando. I he's. You know, KJ Nafune, you know, he's a big marketer, so he's the one that got all the recognition. But Fujiwara, man, I mean, that guy is absolutely legendary. Um, you know, he went yeah. on to do Whoopi Camp, so he did the Tamba series, which, you know, not a lot mm-hmm. of people know. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, I got to give him props. He was in Capcom still at this time, so he was still doing good work there. And uh, it was directed yeah. by... And he just... Just recently did the he just recently did the uh, Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Yeah. Which was, I, I felt, was excellent. You know, it's it's really really tough, and I think a lot of people crapped on it because of that. But uh, I I I thought it was I did not thing. crap on it, but I yeah, it's very tough, and I suck at it. But it's <laughs> it a is. lot of fun. <laughs> well, I also think that you know people had an issue with the art style. I kind of dig it. I dig the art style. Uh, see, I I, I loved yeah. it. It looked kind of like like a stained a, glass uh, window type like the, thing. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Really unique. I heard I heard that that game like pushes the you know it uses the re engine i heard it like pushes the engine like harder than like resident evil 8 i want capcom to just throw the i want capcom to throw the re engine on everything just like throw yeah. it on absolutely everything you can get your hands on <laughs> like marvel versus capcom street fighter just you know why use unreal when you have the re engine it's i i love it i love the look it's true the one thing <laughs> i want to talk about with Mega Man 5 as far as like its development goes that kind of makes me happy about this game and I, I guess I should preface I don't know much about the development of Mega Man 4, but I know Mega Man 3's development was absolutely abysmal. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. reading some of the articles uh, coming into this of how Inafune spoke about the development of Mega Man, Mega Man 5, saying that it was probably one of the most fun experiences he had making a game, just, you know, in mm. hindsight, having played... Mega Man 5, and I might be giving it a little bit away, uh, just makes it a lot breezier of an experience to play, I guess. Yep. Yeah, I think it's one of the mm-hmm. easiest games. You know, it's it's actually the only Mega Man, not, not the only one, I, I beat Mega Man 3, but it was the first Mega Man game I ever mm-hmm. beat, and uh, that's not by coincidence. I really do think it's one of the easier games. Um, yes, I, I think they definitely. really took a hard look at the design and they wanted to make it accessible to gamers. It's not that they were intentionally trying to make it easy, but 
they they instilled some quality of life improvements uh, in the design that I think makes it a, an overall more enjoyable experience if you're just trying to like you know not hate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> which you know i'm not that you would hate yourself unless you're playing Mega Man one but Corey, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna discriminate capcom got rid of all the dachshunds that programmed Mega Man one and actually got real people and video game designers yeah and you know the and the other the other thing is that it, when you know one of those design concessions was the introduction of beat which was a bird that you could get and it would make the the second you know half gauntlet of robots a lot easier if you're able to get this uh, mm-hmm. this bird this mechanical bird it basically acts like as a homing laser essentially i mean this this bird right. will take down anyone in its path and it makes it a lot more easier so it it makes it so that you can kind of scale your difficulty so well, i i go ahead i was just going to say it's it's kind of a, a genius move by capcom because whether it was ever intended or not, the Mega Man games are very much about exploring each stage. And a lot of new players just might not do that. Yeah. But in order to obtain yeah. beat, you have to go on a, like a small little collectathon. So yeah. you might just have it upon one of the letters. You have to spell out Mega Man 5 in order to unlock beat. So you might yeah. come across <laughs> the A just sitting out in the open and you're wondering, huh, what, what the heck is this about? And then, you know, you see the start menu and it's there. It's present. Yeah. You can see it. You right. It. Yeah. And, and that just promo- that's just telling you, like, right away, like, oh, I need to actually be looking for these things because something is mm-hmm. going to happen. And I think that is a genius move by them because they never really... There are, like, the E-tanks and stuff that you could collect before, but I, that's just something you could totally just beat the... I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> you can go ahead, Corey. You want to say well, something? No, well, it's interesting because you know you point out that exploration and can you? Re- I'm pretty sure you can return to levels to find find this stuff too, and it really makes me think about like I wonder how much of an influence that design had on the overall influence of the Mega Man X games because yeah. Mega Man X was very much about exploring and you know trying to going to already finished levels and using weapons to open up passageways and, and see what you find. And that is, that's, you know, some of my fondest memories of gaming during that time is, you know, finding all the stuff in all the, the uh, enhancements in Mega Man X, just on my own without any kind of like internet or anything like that. And I would just, you know, try different things. Yeah. So I wonder if, if Mega Man 5, uh, you know, gave them an idea to try to do that stuff, or they got that idea from the already in development Mega Man. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering whether it was just some parallel tracks, whether right. the Mega Man X team was working alongside um, the Mega Man 5 team. I, I don't even know if they even got along. You know, who the hell knows? Uh, <laughs> but it might have been a, a result of, I don't know, evolutionary convergence. You know, they, they both just <laughs> reached the same decision, you know, or it might be that they mm-hmm. took it from some other game that it was in common to, to both of them. Um, but but I do think it is kind of a very intuitive way of making the game a little bit simpler, you know, for players that, that need that extra bit of help. Um, and also just to, as, as Keith says, to get to explore the level a little bit more thoroughly. But with that said, let's, right. uh, let's take a quick break and then we're going to go back into each category and uh, we'll see how each of these games fare.
everyone and we are back and now it's the moment the moment of truth when we pit them against each other and we look at each criteria and see which one comes out on top uh, so i'm actually gonna just twist things up a bit hopefully chris doesn't kill me um i'm gonna go with personal attachment first as a criteria because i do feel like we've already kind of touched upon it a little bit and it makes sense to just kind of segue from that into what each of these games mean for us um so Let's start with you, Corey. Um, what what does Mega Man and what does Night Trap mean for you? I mean, what kind of personal attachment do you have to either of these games? Well, I definitely have a lot of personal attachment to uh, to Night Trap, and you know, like as as I said earlier, I was 13 years old when it came out, and which I feel is like the age to be when that released, because you know I was just kind of discovering like. You know, like late night HBO or maybe uh, uh, USA Up All Night, <laughs> and just like these, Cinemax. these B movies. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We we you all know? got the picture, Corey. We all got the picture. <laughs> well, but you know, like at the time, it's like, you know, you got this idea of like, like I didn't even think it was that bad, and I didn't realize that it was considered to be that bad till everything like blew up with it. You know, yeah. and it, it, but it still kind of felt like, oh, this is like maybe something like that I maybe I shouldn't be playing, but like, like my mom doesn't know, <laughs> you know, what, what I'm playing, you know, cause it was just not something, I mean, my, 
I always joke about how <laughs> like my my dad took me to see RoboCop in the theater when I was seven. Oh my god! And like, <laughs> <laughs> and th- this is like I mean. Night Trap is like, nobody's going to make a big deal about this, you know? Let me tell you, Corey, uh, the acid pool scene still scars yeah. me to this day. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was that, never I, the what? same child after that scene. <laughs> I saw RoboCop when <laughs> I was eight. <laughs> the, acid, the acid scene, I you know, the acid scene seems to be like... Everyone, like a lot of people's favorite scene. It's it is definitely it was like a like a friend of mine and and myself. We had we we had an, an ongoing thing about that scene because it comes I, out as like help me and like he gets hit and he like gets turned into you know like essentially just like liquid. Yeah. When he gets hit by the car and like I even brought it up like you know I was the best man in his wedding. <laughs> I like brought it up <laughs> during, during that great time <laughs> and. And then you know, like recently, I think I was talking to I was talking to Joe Redifer from GameSack, and he's like, we were talking about RoboCop, and he's like, yeah, that scene where the guy gets like knocked into the, like the big thing of toxic waste, <laughs> <laughs> and we were just like talking about how like that seems to be the most memorable part of the movie. Uh, absolutely, like everyone forgets that <laughs> uh, you know the I forgot the name of the guy that that you know the the cop that actually becomes RoboCop. We forget that he was like blasted to smithereens in the beginning. E- everything yeah. that everyone remembers is just that guy getting melted because he was dumped in toxic waste. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't um, see RoboCop <laughs> until like my mid twenties, and even then, I was like, they showed this in movie theaters. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's crazy. I mean, it, it's like they had it was going to be rated X, and they had to like cut like they had to edit frames <laughs> like out so that it like didn't show you know like when he gets his hand shot right. off, you know, like, but you know like that they probably had to trim like three frames off of that so that it was just quick enough. But Corey, it almost for people, it, it almost feels like it's a conflict of interest for you to be in here, you know, because you know you're so intertwined with Night Trap in a way, and and you know. Like I am definitely biased because uh, getting to be involved to some extent on like the remaster of that and uh, is just like it was it's kind of mind blowing. I always like to say like if I could go back and tell myself when I was 13 years old that like I would get to do something that was in the game that was like in like a new version of it. Uh, it's just like blows my mind. And, you know, I. I think about the production of that documentary and how it was like maybe like my favorite thing that we've done on the YouTube channel. And I think about like how it could have been like even more, like even more of a bigger thing. And I think at, at the time when we were uh, like asking like who we could talk to to interview for that documentary, like a lot of people thought like, oh, this is just going to be a, like another another hit piece on the game. Like I don't want to be a part of this. And then I think once these people saw it and it's like actually like, where essentially, like, the entire point of the documentary is, like, you know, people, you know, crap on this game a whole bunch. But, like, actually, it's, like, it's pretty cool what it did at the time. And, you know, it's, like, probably a lot better than it's it's given yeah, credit for. Yeah. And, and what about Mega Man? I mean, is there any kind of personal attachment you have to it? <laughs> to Mega Man 5? Uh, <laughs> there, I have, I have zero attachment to Mega Man 5. I'll, you know... You know, I I can play Mega Man one and two over and over and over again, uh, and Mega Man X one over and over again. But you know, like outside of that, I'm definitely like a I'll play it once and then I'm done. You know, like Mega, it's it's I feel the same way about like a lot of Mega Man games as I do about uh, 
Star Wars movies, like anything Star Wars related after the original trilogy. Yeah. Like I'll watch it like or enjoy it one time and then you never have to I see it again. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't feel compelled to. So I guess that, does that tip so. your hand as to what way you're going on this particular uh, criteria? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't not pick. Uh, Man, that was a you hard know, like decision. I, for I have you. to. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and you know, like that's like, like sometimes I think, like I think one of the reasons it's even in, like in this, is because like, oh, I, I'll, I'll go to that trap. <laughs> I love it, love it, love it, Keith. Uh, <laughs> what's up with you now? What, what do you think? What personal attachment do you have to either of these games? Man, so this is where it gets awkward uh, because I have no real personal attachment to either of these games, <laughs> which I love because <laughs> it forces you to be creative. <laughs> so like I said I, I grew up playing the first three games and mm-hmm. beyond that if I had any of the other ones in the house it's just kind of a blur because they just blend together so I'm going to kind of just be completely biased and give it to Mega Man here because of a lot of the reasons that we already kind of talked about as far as the, uh, the histories of the game go I enjoy the franchise as a whole, not just the mainline Mega Man series. I enjoy Legends and the X series and, and so on. And as far as Mega Man 5 goes, I replayed all of, at the time, 10 mainline games back to back as as an adult, and I got to play 5, obviously, one of those, and it's <laughs> in comparison to the first four, uh, we already talked about how easy that game was, and it is super easy. And um, mm-hmm. coincidentally, I came back to it like in January or February of this year without even knowing I was going to be a part of this panel at all. And <laughs> I enjoyed it just as much as any other numbered Mega Man experience. So as far as Night Trap goes, I the first time I ever played it, was before recording with you guys. So <laughs> I, I can't say I really have too much attachment to Night Trap other than I just knew of its ex- existence my entire life, but never mm-hmm. actually had any real hands-on experience with it. So uh, for me, it's Mega Man 5. All right. So that's 1-1. One, one. So I guess that leaves me. Um, <laughs> personal attachment. I mean, look, I... I'd known Night Trap ever since I saw, I think, an article by Sean Baby on EGM about the worst games of all time. So that must have been like, I don't know, 2001, maybe 2002. (laughs) So I've known this game by its reputation for a very long time. Um, But I never own a Sega CD. Um, I really did not play an FMV game until very late, you know, in my life. Um, so really I have not had, you know, I did not have the pleasure of playing the game growing up. Whereas with Mega Man, I mean, I, I did actually end up playing the game. I, it was actually the first Mega Man I ended up beating and, um, I had a, I had a blast with it. So I, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's kind of, it's a little bit awkward because I've seen, you know, Night Trap throughout my life and it's just kind of always been there looming in the background, but it's just yeah. Mega Man to me. It's just... It's just just the fact that it even blends with all the other games means that there's a baseline level of quality, which means that it just kind of gets lumped into the miasma of just Mega Man is, you know, its own kind of cultural entity. And uh, and that makes it, you know, give it a little bit more of a personal attachment to me. Um, so I'm going to go with Mega Man. So that's 2-1. 
Um, Mega Man takes the first round, but uh, Night Trap is still in it. Uh, it's just we're just getting started. Um, so let's go to commercial and critical reception. So one of the things that really surprised me as to both of these games when I was doing research is that they both got better reviews than I expected. If you look at Night Trap mm-hmm. and you look at it with the meme kind of approach that has been taken to it, uh, at least before Corey came out with the documentary, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think people expect a game that was always poorly received and that was always seen as one of the worst of all times. And going back to, for example, EGM, it, it didn't get bad scores. It, it got middling scores and even one score that was pretty good, but it didn't get terrible mm-hmm. scores. So, you know, it, it wasn't this catastrophe or absolute train wreck that people are making it out to be. There was actual real excitement about Night Trap because when it came out. There wasn't really anything like it, and it still, it was like kind of mind-blowing at the time. And, you know, I think that with the amount of FMV games that followed... You know, people would look back on Night Trap and just kind of lump it in with all those. But, you know, I w- maybe it's not the most uh, robust FMV game. You know, they, they did a lot more with later ones, but I still think it's the best FMV game. Well, I mean, the most iconic at the very least. And, and, I'll, yes. and I'll say again, it also had that leg up on the fact that it was coming out on a console. I don't know how well the Sega CD sold. I, I don't think it did very well. But again, I mean, mm-hmm. it was like this new technology at the height of, you know, FMV technology or that type of game. And you're going to be able to play right. it at home, yeah. not in an yeah. arcade losing your money or anything like that. Yeah. So, right. for example, EGM reviews average a 6 out of 10. And GamePro even gave the game a near-perfect 19 out of 20, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then the other scores just kind of range, you know, 71% from computer and video games. Um, Sega Zone, which was a Sega magazine, gave it a 58%. But, you know, really where <laughs> the criticism went was just because of the limited gameplay and also the fact that you were counting on a very limited color palette on the Sega Genesis, which... You know, fundamentally, the Sega City was still a Sega Genesis under the hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it made, you know, the video very grainy. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate from the remastered version that came out. That mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, you were able to clean up the video and be able to see it as it was originally intended. I think it's completely invaluable um, because really it suffered from being on a platform that was really not as capable as you wanted it to be. Um, But but it still received pretty decent scores. In terms of commercial reception, I mean, I didn't didn't find much data. I I did see from a source that it has sold 130,000 copies before the controversy kind of, you know, completely uh, blew up. Um, But I don't really know how much it sold. I... My impression is that it probably didn't sell too well. So, Corey, I don't know if you found any other data, you know, kind no, of indicating I mean, I that. Yeah, it's it's hard to say, especially with how uh, how the Sega CD was selling at the time as well, because it just didn't. It, my friends, I, I had like one other friend who had a Sega CD, and myself were the only people like in our entire 
school they had one i guess uh and you guys and you guys were seen as the rich kids i guess (laughs) (laughs) no i mean we are we are the only ones that cared enough i think about games at the time yeah no you you weren't you weren't you didn't have the neo geo so you guys weren't the rich kids (laughs) no no uh but i mean i can't imagine it sold well like at first but the controversy definitely like made it sell like way more then it well, and you also had the fact that it was pulled off the shelves by Sega because mm-hmm. they they finally capitulated to public opinion, and uh, and then it was re-released by um by the studio that developed it. Um, and right. uh, you know you had to wonder how much did it sell you know on that re-release. But then it was also released on the 3DO, um, mm-hmm. and it was also released on the Jaguar. Am I correct, Corey? Or uh, no, it's not a 32X. 32X, yeah, 32X. And, and PC. Yeah, and PC. So, so it was released on other consoles, so at least it was successful enough to cover the cost of porting to another console, I, I would say. I yeah. did yeah. read something, and I don't... This was obviously after the entire congressional hearing and it being re-released, so it's not in that 1992 ballpark, but it did seemingly sell near the million mark i read so i guess that would make sense like across all the different versions i would assume so yes yeah which you know would make for a pretty decent you know not a not a huge overwhelming hit but for the time a pretty you know pretty decent sales really and and to be completely honest uh digital pictures probably coasted on that oh yeah it, like it helped fund like everything else that they ended up doing because I don't, I don't think that anything else that they did I mean Sewer Shark might have come close but that's because that was a like a launch window game as well yeah and I mean they probably just kept on making money from Night Trap and that's what allowed them to do the other yeah. ones because I don't think anything else even sold remotely as yeah. close as, to his as and well, going as over well. to to Mega Man I mean again. I had assumed that because this game, you know, had come out at a time when people were over the NES and it was kind of lumped in the late era original NES Mega Man games that it would have gotten sort of like a middling reception as well. But it actually received pretty good scores. And really, it was it would range from like six to eight, um, but really on the higher end of that. So, you know, EGM averaged a 7.75, and really, you know, a big reason for that is because someone gave it a 6 just because they wanted a 16-bit Mega Man and not an 8-bit Mega Man. Mm-hmm. So you kind of do have to wonder how much of the the bias of the time, you know, the fact that people wanted something else was really affecting the the scores that the game was receiving, but it still did pretty well. I mean, Game Informer gave it a 7.75, and GamePro gave it a 4.5. Um, Famitsu had kind of the lowest course with a 23 out of 40, um, which I don't know. I, I, I can't rely on Famitsu. Like Famitsu is so all over the place that it's just <laughs> kind of like, I, to me, they're just throwing numbers out there. But, you know, the surprising thing is that it actually sold pretty decently. I mean, I saw that based on VG charts that it sold 790,000 copies. Now, I don't know whether that's reliable, mm-hmm. but that's a pretty good number. And it yeah. kind of flies against the face of you know, the fact that this is one of the most expensive games on the NES. Because if there yeah. is less supply out there, um, then, you know, it, it makes sense that it would be more People expensive. But it. if it sold 790,000 copies, then there could be one of two things. People are either keeping it or not selling it, or this number is actually not quite accurate. 
Um, so yeah. I don't know which of those two it is, uh, but that's the number I, you know, like I kind of have. Uh, but there definitely was a feeling of market saturation, you know, when you take a look yeah. at Mega Man Five. Um, right. So Keith, I'm gonna start with you this time. What uh, what do you think about critical and commercial reception as between these two games, and and which one would you give the nod to? Oh boy, so this is tough, and I and I might pull a little bit of a Chris Coplane here. <laughs> so if you look at the hard numbers of 1992. You know, Mega Man wins it, right? And in that case, I could be like, yeah, sure, it's obvious who should win here. But that you kind of bring up the facts at the time that nobody kind of really cared about either one of these games. Like, they reviewed mm-hmm. okay, but also people were kind of wanting a little bit more from both of them. You know, Mega Man was competing with Mega Man X being right around the corner, so it's kind of its own competition. And nobody nobody really knew what Night Trap was until it, it got in trouble, right? <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> unless you're unless you're unless you're Corey with a Sega <laughs> City. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, but I think because of those congressional hearings, everybody just kind of put their foots in their mouth and then the sales for Night Trap, as we kind of already talked about, skyrocketed. Yeah. And I feel like I'm dipping into legacy here. Um, I I kind of feel like this matchup is kind of like the battle of like the quote-unquote forgotten video games. (laughs) The games that people don't really care about. Like, like, like they're not selling systems. Right. They were neither one of them were selling systems. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and really, the only reason why anyone remembers Night Trap is because of its controversy, right? So yeah, yeah, because nobody remembers Double Switch, really. I mean, or or any of the other. Players. I mean, there's there's some people that do, but yeah, yeah like that. And that's Double Switch is more interesting because of the like. The people that are in it. Yeah, no, of course. I, I mean, it has Corey Haim, and I think it's one of the, the lead mm-hmm. actors. Yes, and, uh, uh, Ar- Deborah Harry from from Blonde. Oh, really? Yeah, well. yeah. And Arlie Arlie Ermy is also there. I mean, the guy that did uh, yeah. you know Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. But Keith, no more dawdling on. Yeah. So so <laughs> essentially, because of old, out of touch white people bumped the sales of Night Trap, <laughs> I think I'm going to give this category to Night Trap. I don't think people are buying these Mega Man Legacy collections or the various bundles for Mega Man 5 alone. But people certainly bought the Night Trap remaster all these years later. So yes. I'm giving this one to Night Trap. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, that's that's like a that's a really, really good point. Yeah. I mean Corey, go ahead. Like it, 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 <laughs> it would be very interesting to see what the sales numbers were like for like virtual console the virtual console release of Mega Man 5. Yeah. Like, are people like buying it on Virtual Console? Because it's that's like that is like something I never even thought of. Is that you know a lot of people bought the remaster and they then they continue to buy it like as it gets re released. I'm sure that when the PS5 version comes out, it's gonna a bunch of people are gonna buy it again. And I like I mean that could come down to you know like people buying it from Limited Run as well. You know, but you know I don't think that. People are buying, you know, like like you said, Mega Man Legacy Collection so they can play Mega Man 5. Although when you think about it, it probably is a lot cheaper for a lot of people, a lot of people to buy that instead of, you know, getting a cartridge for 150 bucks or something. Sure. Yeah. 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 
So, so what 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 um, do you think, Corey? Commercial critical reception. Yeah, I mean, at the release, like neither of these games were like setting the world on fire, and like, I I. The thing with Mega with Mega Man Five is it is it's just like a really solid game. Like it's just you know it doesn't do anything crazy or different that you know previous games had done. But it's just you know it's just a really good game, and people are were buying it based on you know I had fun with these previous games. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know I think you know people that bought Night Trap were probably. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what is this? Like, how can this possibly be real? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like. I, 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 you know, I. There was a point where I was thinking, like, I, you know, I might just go with Mega Man here, but I think that it. I think that I've been convinced to go with. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think that those are very fair points. I do think that commercially, I think that Mega Man, you know, holds up well. I, I do wish that we had more concrete numbers to count on. I do also think that the fact that it's so rare uh, on the NES kind of really is a good indicator of the game not selling as well as, you know, we probably wished it would have. Um, so, you know, I don't think that Mega Man 5 necessarily gets the edge compared to Night Trap because I do think that Night Trap ended up continuing to fund digital pictures and, you know, being able to be ported and having other titles being released. So... You know, it, it really had a critical reception to, you know, a commercial reception to speak of. Um, and even if that was kind of attributed to the controversy, it, it still had a, you know, a good commercial reception. You know, like, you know, even bad publicity is good publicity. Um, <laughs> and I think Nitrap really, you know, reaps, you know, the, the benefits of that. Um, and on critical reception, I, I really think that this is kind of a case of, you know, the the tallest little person um you know which which ones of which one of these you know do you give the nod to when they were kind of so closely intertwined i do think that you know the fact that retrospectively night trouble seen as one of the worst games of all time kind of gives it a little bit of a knock against it but as, as we've seen that's probably most likely a little bit of a clickbaity approach that magazines were taking at the time yes, sure um so i'm not necessarily going to give you know much credence to that um, but, you know, ultimately I think that Mega Man, you know, just by virtue of it being part of a series that was so well regarded and that had such, you know, basic solid foundations to rely upon, um, I think it, it was better received. I think that if you were a kid in 1992 and got Mega Man, um, I think you would have been very, you know, much, you know, you would have very much enjoyed, you know, your time with it. Whereas with Night Trap... I don't know if that would have been the case. Um, so looking at it, you know, from the perspective of 1992, I think, you know, the critical reception of Mega Man kind of makes me give it the edge um, because I, I just don't think that it's very fair or easy to compare, you know, the commercial reception of either of those. So I'm going to give it to Mega Man, but honestly, it could have just as been as well being Night Trap um, at the end of the day. Night Trap still takes it to one. So that means that uh, we're now one, one, we're tied up. So that means <laughs> that it's a whole new ball game again. So let's talk the one that we have wanted to talk all along about, and that's Legacy. Uh, what legacy do each of these games hold, um, and how does it compare to the other? 
So, Corey, what do you think, you know, this category should go to? Well, I think that Legacy is really on the side of uh, of Night Trap because of, you know, like the the congressional he- congressional hearings, you know, like the, the, there is no way that uh, people will not think of that or, you know, think about, uh, you know, Congress talking about video game violence, like Night Trap will always be mentioned in that. And uh, I think that people probably have like maybe changed their mind on it in, in recent years. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's just anecdotal, <laughs> you know, based on like, you know, the people I've talked to. I mean, and also the fact and, that it was re-released with a T rating instead of an M. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, I think, you know, you talk about at the time it's like, oh, the worst game of all time. And, you know, like you look at that now and it's like, that's the, like, you know, it, I can, I can get a lot more enjoyment out of this than I don't like probably like. 90% of the games they see on the eShop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, like Mega Man's legacy is, you know, I, is, you know, his legacy is being, being part of the legacy collection. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I it, guess. it's kind of being the legacy is what was built up by the earlier games, essentially. Um, it, it's right. You have to wonder how much does Mega Man 5 really add? to that legacy other than just adding to a general sense of burnout. Yeah. I, that, and that's, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the, you know, the first three are the ones that people are always going to mention. And I'm sure that the first three are most people's favorites, probably, probably like two and three, like one of those two people would say like those, those are the, the best ones. But and with respect to legacy I though, I mean, like, do you think, you know, for example, when you take a look at the best-selling games of 2021, for example, most of those games are M-rated games. So, does mm-hmm. the ESRB even matter anymore? Um, and I'm just oh, definitely kind of playing devil's definitely. advocate here. So, does that undercut or undermine uh, Night Trap's legacy? The fact that what it helped build is now essentially irrelevant. Maybe. Uh, you know, I think that it's probably just. Just being like, whenever somebody looks at a a game cover, like they're always going to look at the rating, whether or not it means anything to them, they will always like, you know, think about what this game is rated. Yeah, like an M rated game for a kid is like buy this right now. I yeah, I well, I, I wonder if that's even like people even think about that. Like most kids probably don't. I mean, like I I think about it with you know I have two kids that are young enough where I think about like oh I don't know if. Like I really want you to play and how this many people? How many? How many? Um, how many teenagers are stopping kids at the like thirteen year olds at the counter and be like, oh, I don't think you should play this. Yeah, I mean it's it's for the parents essentially, you know, like parents that the, the kind of the parents that don't take their kids to see Robocop. <laughs> I guess. And and to be fair, <laughs> it's better to have an ESRB rating than not. I I do think it's better to have something. Sure. Yeah, like well, I don't ESRB. think they can. They can't even do it. Like I, I know the limited run. They didn't have to do it, do it at first. But I think that they got in trouble after a while, and they were like forced to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Corey, uh, what do you think? You know, who do you give the nod to here? I see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Night Trap because I think that people 
probably think about it more than Mega Man Five. Mega Man Five just you know it's just Mega Man Five. It's just there. It's, an, it's just another. It just it's just a me, it's just another Mega Man game. <laughs> All right, Keith. That uh, most people probably wouldn't pick as their Keith, favorite. Oh, tell us. Um. Shit. Do you feel dirty? Do you feel dirty <laughs> thinking uh, about you know giving this round to Night Trap? <laughs> again, this is the battle of the forgotten games. Yeah, uh, this is tough <laughs> uh, because uh, without the congressional hearings, Night Trap doesn't really have a legacy. And to be fair, Mega Man Five itself the as games, they don't really have a legacy. So, hear me out. <laughs> here we go. Go for it. That's why we're here. This is where I make enemies, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, I, absolutely. Night Trap helped to bring along the ESRB, right? Um, whether or not that's still a relevant thing or not, uh, it was still something that happened. One of the things that often slips my mind when that even gets brought up is that the fact that Night Trap was even part of those hearings. Um, <laughs> because personally, when I, when I think back to that, uh, I guess that historic decision, uh, I think of Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah, especially, 100%. especially now with more context of more personal context for myself. Now that, now that I finally played Night Trap, now that I know what it really is, and no matter how goofy and dated Mortal Kombat looks now, objectively is entirely more violent than anything in Night Trap. So, oh, and it, yeah, and also you know, like the the third game that it was there that they were there with was Lethal Enforcers, which was not very violent either. I mean, yeah. Besides the fact to use, like, yeah. So I, I think, like in that way, I think Mortal Kombat has more to lend to that legacy. Which that's an entirely mm-hmm. other episode of this King of Games. <laughs> so I'm not even going to go there. Yeah. But, Spoiler alert: It's right. in this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but like Night Trap is similar to Mega Man Five in that it isn't. You know, we talked about the development and everything, but the game itself isn't doing it anything entirely revolutionary you know fm we talked about fmv games existed you know as early as uh, uh 1983 and you know in mega man's case there were four other games in the series before it again you know in favor of night trap it was coming to a home console so you know i give it a nod towards that as well but fmv's all fmv games have always kind of seemed like a novelty to me they mm-hmm. Oh, they they, they seem like those like cheap games you would see in like, in like a gift shop next to some yo-yos that have like a Bible verse on it or something that's like completely <laughs> out of context. <laughs> like they aren't they aren't really video games per se. They are and they aren't. Right. They're designed just to to sell it to you in the mm. store, and then once you get home, you're like, oh. And it. to be fair, developers are still making FMV games, right? You you don't really hear yeah. about them a lot, or maybe I'm probably I'm probably just hanging out with the wrong. But people. there's like there's quite a few. Oh, absolutely. There, there's there's yeah. actually yeah, it's it's, it's surprising, yeah. and I didn't even know about this like world of FMV games. I mean, the only one in you know fairly the only recently. one in recent memory that I can even think of is the Quiet Man, and that 
absolutely <laughs> bombed. And the no, only there reason- have been others. <laughs> no, there have been others. Oh. Uh, Erica was a big release. Uh, it, it was even published yeah. by Sony. Um, and it was uh, co-developed by London Studio. So, and there are actually there's a Russian studio that's just dedicated to uh, making FMV games, and they've released quite a few studios, um, that quite a few games. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's actually I wouldn't say it's thriving, but there's definitely there's definitely a market for it. Yeah, see, I'm hanging out with all the wrong people, apparently. You you you, <laughs> you really are, Keith. Oh, you're probably you're probably not missing. Out on that, honestly. <laughs> so uh, as as I look at the Mega Man franchise as a whole, I think that's where I can safely say the output from Capcom here has been far and away better than probably most FMV games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and that's when you factor yeah. in like the X series or the Zero series, Mega Man Legends, and even like the weird RPG internet games for Gen Z on the GBA. Um, <laughs> many of those titles are insanely successful and, you know, there's people out there that still want a new Mega Man game in any one of those series, even a mainline numbered entry, right? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I just think those FMV games and Night Trap itself is an incredibly niche thing. And I know that it has its cult following, uh, including, you know, all the collectors out there with all the great bundles that are being made available and everything (laughs) but i'm always coming back to the fact that neither of these games are the beginning of really anything is the success of mega man 5 itself responsible for all the successful sequels and spinoffs and clones not really is night trap responsible for fmv games still being around maybe maybe (laughs) maybe Um, yeah i mean I, i could see that a little bit I'm just. Yeah. Mm. You can't phone a friend, Keith. You gotta, you gotta make a call. Come on. Nobody. <laughs> I don't think anybody is clamoring for a night trap too, right? No, except for you know the director of the Pe- original. Mm. People, people are still clamoring for a new Mega Man. Yes. So one hundred percent. I am very, like, very hesitantly sliding a ticket to Mega Man 5 under the table. Like, I think it just barely slips by on the notoriety of the franchise as a whole. Yeah, well, when it comes down to that, I mean, it's no, it's no contest if you just think about, you know, the impact of Mega Man and in, 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 that it continues to have. I feel like I need to take a shower. <laughs> so I guess I guess I got to act as a tiebreaker because we have a 1-1 situation here. Corey, you pick Nitrap. Keith, you pick Mega Man. And really, I think this really puts to the test, does bad publicity count as good publicity? And does no publicity count as bad publicity? (laughs) If that makes any sense. Um, So what I'm going to do is just basically go back to the fact that, you know, Mega Man 5 as a game, yes, it's kind of one of the unheralded, unknown entries but it still forms part of the legacy. It still forms part of the original mm-hmm. six games. It's part of the legacy collection, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> and when you take a look at Mega Man in December of 1992, Mega Man 5, and you compare it to a game released on the NES for the original Black Label releases in 1985, the leap is just mind-blowing. It's just like Capcom was really at the top of its game when they were making these games. 
Um, could you say that they were running a little bit out of steam? Sure. You know, was it the most memorable game? I mean, besides Vietnam, not really. Um, <laughs> but I do still think that Mega Man 5 was just leaps and bounds beyond almost anything that you could get, you know, pre-1988 for the NES. And in fact, I would say it was better than a lot of the games that were coming out on the SNES at the time. Um, so I, I do think that it has a lot going for it in terms of standing up on its own two feet and forming part of that legacy. Because let's just flip it. If Mega Man 5 was a bad game and you had the first six Mega Man games and there was just this one outlier and that outlier is a bad game, we would have a completely different narrative about what Mega Man stands for and those original six games. So the fact that it's not a weak entry, the fact that it's actually quite good, that it's probably, in my opinion, it's better than four and probably better than six, um, I think deserves a lot of merit. Whereas with Night Trap, really, it's the bad publicity that kind of really goes into play. It's it's really, you know, the fact that it became so renowned as one of the worst games of all time or one of the most controversial games of all time. That kind of media craze is really what's feeding, um, you know, its legacy. But like he says... I wouldn't necessarily say that that means that Night Trap was the reason why there are more FMV games. I do think, from my perspective, Night Trap has, you know, it's part of that legacy. I do think that we have FMV games in part because of Night Trap. Um, and the fact that we have the ESRB is also a, a, a kind of feather in its cap. But ultimately, I think that the Mega Man legacy is very strong. And so I think I'm going to give it to Mega Man 5. Um, I'm not going to dither too much on that. Um, <laughs> so I think that that means that uh, Mega Man takes this round. So that's 2-1. But Night Trap is not out yet. And remember, even if a game wins all three or all four, that still doesn't mean the game will advance. Because that's crazy and that's the way we like it. Um, so let's go to the final criteria before we move on to the final verdict and the final criteria being of course which of these games would we rather play so Keith since you went on this uh, big (laughs) you know uh, eloquent diatribe I'm going to start with you thank you for saying that that was eloquent Um, (laughs) I'm going to keep it simple here I'm not really going to beat around the bush I would rather play Mega Man 5 there's no game in this tournament coming up that I wouldn't pick over Night Trap. And that's including, <laughs> that's including that one. And I think anybody in the Discord chat would know which one I am talking about. <laughs> um, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, Night, so, Night Trap. So it's funny because prior to being selected for this, this matchup, I actually didn't know how much people actually hated Night Trap. I actually did not <laughs> know what you know what people felt about the game. I didn't even realize that, that it would be on some people's worst game of all time list, so that was kind of surprising to me, honestly. But having played it for the show, it totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I know the remastered and the re-released versions have some quality of life aspects added to it that they just could not do on the Sega CD version. Um, but we're not talking about that version, unfortunately. 
Night Trap is just... Yeah, you, ha- you have to imagine as if you were playing it on a Sega CD right now with all the pixelated <laughs> uh, glory that it entails. And the static images of the rooms that you can't see, so you don't really even know if there's <laughs> anything going on in the next room, so you're just missing a lot of context. Yeah, it, Night Trap is more of a game that should be watched and not played, in my opinion. Whereas, I mean, totally Mega Man fair. 5, you know exactly what you're getting. You're getting eight main bosses, a set of challenging levels, a boss rush at the end, and then and then credits, you know? Yeah. I, I finished <laughs> Mega Man 5. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't finish Night Trap. I didn't enjoy it, and I'm probably never going to play it again. So <laughs> it's Mega Man 5. All right, Corey, what are you, what are you going with? Well, I mean, if I was just going to sit down and play one of the two games right now, I would definitely go with Mega Man 5. Like, I wouldn't... I, I, I have played enough Night Trap, I think, <laughs> at this point, that I I feel very uh, uninspired to play the game any further than the, uh, the, the theme song part, where they all, like, you know, sing the theme song. It's just, song, like, five minutes in, go, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... I mean, I, I play it so I can hear that and hear the girls go. Party! <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, I think that, uh, I mean, I can, I can, I'm always up for a good Mega Man game. And, like, I think that uh, I would have no problem just, you know, I would, I would take Mega Man 5, like, any day of the week. All right. So that's. That I'd, I'd rather play. <laughs> So that's Mega Man for Corey. So I guess it's up to me to determine whether it's a sweep. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's much suspense around this. Um, but let me take a different a different tack to this. Let me take a different approach to this. I think that if it was a Saturday night and I had a number of beers um, with friends. <laughs> um, and, and, and you were having a... A party. <laughs> um... <laughs> And anyone said, hey, guys, do you remember that Sega CD game? I mean, I used to remember it from commercials back in the day. Or I think it came out on the news. And I'm like, do I have the game for you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) If it was in that context, Night Trap all the freaking way. Um, Even though it would probably last like 10 minutes (laughs) before we said this is awful. Well, well, look at Ozzy Um, and all his friends that he can have a party with. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah yeah and, and then you know i can bring in the augers um but no i mean it's considering that i have no friends uh, and that i don't throw saturday night parties because i have a, a, a baby um i'm gonna go with mega man um honestly i mean the the gameplay is so good um it the level design is still great i think the biggest knock on you know mega man 5 is that the boss weapons are not that good compared to the other uh, games. Um, they don't seem as in, you know as ingenuous. They don't seem as effective. Um, but really, to me, that's kind of a small flaw for the game. But um, I still think it's a very good one, and it's also very accessible. And you know, I feel like even me, who sucks at video games, you know, can jump into it and probably one day beat it without fucking rewinding. Um, so, um, yeah, I would totally go Mega Man. Uh, but again, again, if I was on a Saturday night and I had friends over and I was drinking beers and someone brought it up, <laughs> it would be Night Trap all the way. So Night Trap in my heart, Mega Man in my head. 
Um, but no, that means uh, Mega Man takes it. That's a clean sweep. Um, so that means that it's 3-1 for Mega Man. But that doesn't mean that it's over yet. Because now we have to <laughs> render the final verdict. Um, and I'm going to go first. Um, because I, as the host... Uh, don't want to make the final decision. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's. Um, I mean, we've already said it. You know, I think that Night Trap has a lot of merit. You know, I think Night Trap deserves a better rap than it got for over two decades. And I really applaud people like Corey for bringing the narrative around um, for Night Trap. I do think that when you talk to the people that uh, made this game, you can tell that they had a vision and they worked within the limitations of a medium that wasn't well understood. And they really tried to do something different. Um, And it was very experimental. um, And it does deserve a lot of credit. And really, we cannot ignore that the FMV craze existed for a reason. And that reason was that it really did feel like a leap forward in terms of technology. It never panned out because we eventually saw the limitations of it. But I do think that Night Trap really is a a touch point in terms of the development of video games. And I think that no history of video games would be complete without not only FMV games, but I think Night Trap in and of itself. Um, With that said, you know, I think that King of Games really is about, you know, which is the better game, which is the game that left Mm. the strongest impact. And even for as much of a legacy as Night Trap may hold, um, I still do think that Mega Man is the better game. It is the game that I would rather play. It is the game that I would think 99% of the global population would probably prefer to play. Um, so <laughs> I would probably say I'm, I'm going to go with Mega Man. But again, on a Saturday night with friends <laughs> over beers, Night Trap all the way. But for now, because this is kind of games, I'm going to go with Mega Man. So Corey, I'm gonna yeah, go with you. It's it's it is, it's hard to argue that, and uh, you know I would say that Mega Man Five is the better game, but you know like it, and to like if I was going to pick Night Trap, you know like it's it's just because of my my history with it. Not be it's like my like my personal. We will start looking into whether anyone paid you, basically, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, you know, and it's just, you know, like I I love that I was able to, you know, be a part of Night Trap history. But if I was like not me, and I had was faced with these two games, like there's there'd be no competition. You know, especially now looking at Night Trap, thinking that, you know, hey, it's just, there's, 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 you could just like watch all the good parts on YouTube if you wanted to. Anyway. And it would probably be like 30 something minutes (laughs) of your day. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's, there's a reason that there, like, there's a, a cut of Night Trap on, on YouTube. It's just like Night Trap the movie where you can just like watch it without any of the gameplay. And is that arguably the better experience? Maybe, you know, you don't have to feel like stressed out and you can just kind of, you know, watch what's going on and and follow the story a little bit. Uh, But I mean, I would definitely, I, I would probably pick Mega Man five. Like it's just, 
like probably you know, or are I, you picking Mega Man? 5? I, I I'm, I'm picking <laughs> Mega Man Five. I but you know like, I can't I I I have to remove myself from my personal history and personal experience from it. And and I commend you oh, wait, for wait, that. From Night Trap, I commend you for that. So <laughs> that means Night Trap advances, but it's not over yet. Keith, <laughs> tell <laughs> us, are we picking out? Are we taking out the broom and showing Night Trap the way out? So on the on the stickier side of the broom, or are we gently <laughs> closing the door behind it and waving it at you? You you might say that there's a auger waiting just outside the podcasting room to <laughs> take it on out. So there's a saying that I have on my show uh, that I took from a response I got from from a listener that goes something like, um, "Just because it's a classic doesn't mean you have to like it." And there are many games that I've played that are considered classics that I would say are incredibly influential to the culture and the landscape of gaming, but they are not required homework. And in a weird way, uh, Night Trap and Mega Man Five both fit that criteria. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know why you're bringing up Ultima Four, Keith. I mean, come on, man, that's that's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> but I think so. I think Night Trap fits that mold more so because its cultural relevance is misguided due to the misjudgment of a few old white guys and a bunch of unreasonable parents. And I will say, like, when it came to voting for what games should be included in this final lineup, I ranked Night Trap relatively high just so that it could get here and so that we can talk about it and just how it is kind of this oddity that became a, a target for board housewives and subsequently <laughs> helped along the ratings board you know for the software from from there on out but it's definitely one of those classics that can be admired from afar or from youtube <laughs> yes without having to actually play it and I know, Corey, I know you have connections, and I don't know if anybody's worked on the game that's going to be listening to this, but with all due respect... Or if they will kill you. We, we are voting <laughs> for the best video game of 92, and Night Trap is like a video game with an asterisk. It, it's a cool experiment, <laughs> and it's neat yeah. for its time, right? But then we got, we got Mega yeah. Man 5, which, by itself didn't really do anything to change the landscape of gaming either. It was just an iteration of what came before, a slightly better version of four previous games. Which, again, that's to a degree, Night Trap uh, is iterative as well to a certain degree. But Mega Man 5 was ignored due to oversaturation. There's a new console generation. It was like the wrong game at the wrong time. But looking back at it, there really isn't anything wrong with Mega Man, or Mega Man 5 specifically. No. At least I've never had any real complaints, I think. As, yeah, it's just it's just a solid yeah, game. A, a, the worst thing you can say about Mega Man 5 is that it's just another NES Mega Man game. And that is its worst yep. offense. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it to Mega Man 5 here. All right. Well, that's a clean sweep. And that means that Mega Man 5 will advance to the round of 8. 
But I do think <laughs> that talking about Night Trap has been a good exercise. Sure. I think I... that, you know, I, I think it really makes the tournament a lot more well-rounded. Uh, I'm, I'm totally happy we gave Night Trap its due. Like, it got its representation. I, I feel like King of Games will be the final sherry on top <laughs> in the comeback story that has been Night Trap, even if it didn't advance. Um, so I, I thank Corey for contributing to that legacy. Um, and, uh, you know, even though it didn't get a single vote in the final game to advance, I, I, <laughs> I, it did get one of the rounds. It did take one of the rounds. Um, so there, there's that. And listen, at the very least, I would say 75% of this episode was about Night Trap. And then 25% was about Mega Man, which kind of says something. Um, it, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mega Man, um, I don't think you're going to have as easy a match next time because, again, you're Mega Man 5 and not Mega Man 3 or Mega Man 2. Uh, but <laughs> I. Mega Man 1. Or Mega Man 1 if you're Corey. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to what comes next. I'm looking forward to the next round. And uh, hopefully, um, we're going to make the right decision to see who comes out on top. But before we head off. I don't have anything to plug, so that means you, Keith, and you, Corey, have all the space, you know, to be able to plug yourselves. So, Corey, where can we find you? Uh, you could find me on the YouTube channel, My Life in Gaming. Uh, sometimes we post on Twitter uh, at at My Life in Gaming. Um, sometimes I post uh, photos on on Instagram at my life in gaming <laughs> and uh i just signed up for for tiktok and i said i told my daughter like do you want to do this i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> so right now it's just an empty tiktok page that says don't expect <laughs> much <laughs> well it, let me plug you as well i look Corey has been Corey and try have been my go-to source for all things retro fidelity um, both you guys and Retro RGB, RGB Bob, you guys were the ones that got me into buying a PVM. Um, so, so you guys have had an influence that maybe you don't see right away, but you're spending other people's money. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're making me a snob, which I don't like. So I'm like, it doesn't have, I can't see all the pixel perfect, you know, <laughs> you know, resolution. Um, we, we make it really fun not to play the games that you have instead it, of just like, Ex fiddling around with yeah i just of, i like, just playing. talk about which game has the best quality <laughs> version and which monitor is best to use on which s video or rgb modded you know console <laughs> um so thank you Corey. um you've made me into a miserable person um <laughs> but no seriously my life in gaming is one of the best produced shows out there on youtube so definitely check them out I, um, i'll second and, that uh, as well yeah, yeah, Thank you. and it's an Thank honor you. to be on the same pod as, as you, Corey. So uh, I was uh, <laughs> glad that you let this uh, this uh, dilettante uh, steer the way today. Um, so, Keith, uh, where can we find you, brother? Well, before I basically jerk myself off, uh, I just want to say that I am very honored to even be included on the King of Games this year. Uh, I am a huge and longtime fan of many of the panelists that we'll be hearing from later and that includes both of you guys and this is i mean i've talked to you before ozzy on discord 
uh, this is my first time formally meeting you as well. So, hey, hi. <laughs> and, hey there. And of course, Corey, I mean, what, I mean, what hasn't been said about my life in gaming already. So <laughs> I'm very happy that somebody forced you to sit on mic with me. <laughs> Chris, Chris, no, will no, release, was... Chris will release his kits right after this show. I just got to give him yeah, the was... green light after this. I, so, I just uh, hope just... I didn't disappoint anybody uh, too terribly. <laughs> that goes for the listeners as well. So, <laughs> No, this is, this is super, super fun. But yeah, you know, At the very least, we got to shoot the shit for an hour and a half. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so. so, yeah, um, if you want to hear more from me... Uh, I host the Main Quest podcast. You can find that on any podcatcher of your choice. If you cannot find me, why don't you shoot me a message on the socials? You can send me a message on Twitter. That's at Main Quest Pod. And you can also shoot me a message on Instagram. And that's the Main Quest. And Keith has very bad opinions on Bloodborne. So you could kind of say that he's the dark souls of podcasters. There you go. You so, know what? I'm going to run with that. So, so there you go. Um, again, I mean, just because I don't have my own show to plug because the region free gamers are dead. Um, but listen to the back catalog if you're into that. Um, definitely listen to Retro Hangover podcast because they're the ones that have run with this and have carried on the legacy of the king of games. Um, the only reason why we are doing the King of Games again is because Retro Hangover liked it enough to keep running along with this idea that we at the Region Free Gamers came upon and you know didn't think would stick, but so lo and behold it has. So definitely go listen to Chris uh, and Shane the Dick Dragon um, over on the Retro Hangovers <laughs> podcast. So um, with that said, congratulations to Mega Man 5, you advance. Um, you're going to get your diploma later on um, and then get beat into a bloody pulp in the next round. Um, and the Night Trap, it was a good showing. Um, it was good to talk about you. Um, it definitely was a very in enlightening um, discussion about the merits and the demerits <laughs> of Night Trap. And uh, definitely uh, until the next round, um, I don't have any pithy remarks about what you should be playing with uh, as Chris does. So we'll see you on the next round of eight of the King of Games 92. See ya. <laughs>